Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Everyone that had a, a hand in, in getting me here, I'm just incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Um, you know, like Mr. Rooney said, coming from right next door, it's walk into the building, I always peek to the left side, and, and now I'll be, you know, calling this place home. So, um, you know, my family at home as well, my fiance. So there's plenty of thank yous to go out, but uh, just incredibly, you know, grateful to be here. Congratulations to that guy, pick quarterback Kenny Pickett. He was drafted in the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night. And congratulations to Mitch Trubisky as well. His career as the Steelers' starting quarterback has ended without any losses, sacks, or interceptions. Or any actual starts. We're set to talk about that, the rest of the Steelers' draft, the NFL draft in general, and the Jordan Addison situation, and more. Tim Benz here. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. It's hockey playoff time, and Bet Rivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, place three same-game parlays of $10 or more on each round and receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with the same-game parlays on the Bet Rivers app or at BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21 Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. On that topic, the Penguins start their series against the Rangers tomorrow. We all know Tristan Jari and Jason Zucker are on the shelf for the time being with injuries. That's bad news heading into the first round of the playoffs against the Rangers, but New York isn't exactly 100% healthy either. Leading scorer Artemi Panarin and linemate Andrew Kopp both left in the second period of a 4-3 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday. 
but both were back on the ice Sunday, and they should be skating again for Game 1 at home against the Penguins. ESPN.com reports that Gerard Gallant, the Rangers coach, said after the loss that he didn't believe either injury was serious, that both players could have returned, but given the situation with the playoffs coming, the club wanted to be cautious. Gallant followed through with that strategy and sat both players in the regular season's final two games. I like the Rangers, and I like them in six games. That pays out at plus 525 if you want to make the exact game bet. Seems like a good investment to me. Rangers in five is plus 500. I can't believe the lines are as close as they appear to be here. Pens at minus 110 to win the series. Rangers at minus 112. That's way too much faith in the Penguins to me. That's a good price to get in on. Way too many people betting on the backs of the jerseys for the Penguins. Look in front of you. Look at what has happened in recent weeks to this Penguins team with those players on the ice when they play against playoff competition. It hasn't been good. I'm going with the Rangers here and feeling very confident about it. Pirates, they've got an off day on Monday, but they start a series in Detroit on Tuesday. Bet against Mitch Keller Sunday came through, but it was much more about betting on Joe Musgrove instead of betting against Keller Pirates lose to ex-Pirate Joe Musgrove and company from San Diego, 5-2. Six of the seven runs scored came against the bullpens. Keller became the first Pirate pitcher to complete six innings in 100 games. Wow, think about that. The first Pirates pitcher in 100 games to complete six innings as a starter. That's unbelievable. Keller was good, but not good enough. All my plays in that one hit. Betting on the Padres. Betting on the under. Betting on the Padres to score first and win. Betting against the Bucko individual run total of two and a half. As for the Tigers, I like the unders the next two days. The Tigers are struggling badly. At 7-14, they are last in the American League Central. In fact, their 333 winning percentage is the worst in the entire American League. And their 67 runs scored is the second fewest in the AL behind only the Kansas City Royals. Meanwhile, the Pirates, 9-13, have dropped 6-10 of 10 on the road so far this year. They have a minus 41 run differential. Only the Reds are worse at minus 65. The Pirates have scored 80 runs, third lowest in the National League. Only the Reds at 67 and the Diamondbacks at 73 have fewer. So it should be an electric series to be sure, right? Tigers, Pirates, oh my gosh, get yourself ready and get yourself warmed up for one that should be even better on the tail end of that as the Pirates have the Reds for four on the road. And what a gong show that will be since he comes in at a ghastly 3-19. and Pirates in Cincy for four there. So if they're going to make hay at any point, how about getting five wins or so out of the six that you have against those two awful teams? At least four of six, if not more, for Derek Shelton and the Buckos. But let's get to the draft. Congrats to all of you that had Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback selected. A good payout there because most people were in on Malik Willis. Congrats to all of you who had a QB selected for the Steelers as the first position of the draft. I think it was minus money going in for a QB, but it was a payout on the plus side of about 125 for Pickett. Now, that wasn't a huge hit, but nonetheless, it's good. A good payout for Pickett being the Steelers-specific player as well. How about Lewis Seen, the 11th SEC player taken in the first round at number 32 to get the over a 10.5? He's a good pick, too. I love that guy. Great job out of the Vikings 
getting that one in under the wire. The over hit on the wide receivers early in the first round at six. It had been at five and a half. And then there were no more wide receivers taken for a while until the second round. So hopefully you gambling on the draft paid out and paid out nicely. And it was as much fun, a fun part of the equation as it was for those of us in Pittsburgh waiting on the clock to see what the Steelers were going to do as Kenny Pickett, the kid from Pittsburgh, is coming across the hall. There wasn't much suspense as the clock was ticking down with the Steelers on it as there was in advance when the Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles were going through their machinations of their picks. That's when you felt the tension start to build. But as soon as the pick was made for the Saints at number 19 and you knew Pickett was clear and that both of them, Willis and Pickett, were going to be on the board, that's when it was really fun. It was also fun sitting through and watching what the Saints were going to do. But immediately as pick 20 was about to roll around, the tweets came out from the University of Pittsburgh Uh, John McGonigal, who was at the Kenny Pickett draft party, he tweeted out the reaction from everyone as Pickett got selected by the Steelers. So there wasn't much drama while the Steelers were on the clock. You had the buildup earlier in the first round. And I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be Malik Willis. I thought Tomlin liked Willis more than Pickett. I thought they viewed Pickett as redundancy on top of Trubisky. But they must like Pickett long-term more than I ever imagined Because let's be honest, Kenny Pickett is going to be the new starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He will be the successor to Ben Roethlisberger. He has to be, right? If he isn't, why was he chosen by the Steelers with the 20th pick in the NFL draft? At this point, some of you might be thinking, well, nah, they'll give Trubisky a few token starts at the beginning of the season until it becomes clear that Pickett is the far better player just to make it look good after they sign the guy in the offseason. Sure. I suppose the Steelers could play that game. They could make Trubisky the starter in name only, but what would be the point? Why bother? Pickett is going to be 24 in June. He played in 52 games over five years at Pitt. Some of his greatest strengths are his intangibles. I mean, like, Trubisky was a one-year starter at North Carolina. So look at the difference there. You got experience, maturity, ability to read and diagnose defenses, All that stuff is in Pickett's favor coming out of college on a decreased learning curve. Look at some of the quotes from Tomlin and Colbert afterwards. Colbert said, Kenny is just mature, even keeled. When we're studying the quarterbacks, we not only watch them on the field, but we watch them off the field. When they come off, how they are with their teammates, how do they interact with their coaches, how do they conduct media interviews, we feel that the maturity he displayed on and off the field will help him. Tomlin, we talked about his high floor. And the high floor was because of the intangibles and the anticipation and the pro accuracy. They were very obvious and consistent when studying his tape. Here's another one from Tomlin. It was a good thing for him to come back and go to school and gain another year of college experience. He's 24. He's a mature young man. You do see maturity in his game. And I think all those things are going to put him into position to compete. Do those things sound like they are attributes, do those quotes sound like they're talking about a guy that they're planning to slowly groom? Doesn't sound that way to me. Not behind Trubisky, who was Josh Allen's backup last year, or Mason Rudolph, who was Devlin Hodges' backup for a while in 2019. Let's not kid ourselves. All those narratives that were spun about the Trubisky signing ring hollow now. That he can be fixed by the Steelers after the Bears coaching staff ruined him. He grew so much learning behind Allen in Buffalo. 
he's young and he has upside. So if things work out in his two-year contract, maybe he could turn into the long-term starter. That all reads funny after what happened Thursday night now, doesn't it? If the Steelers had picked Malik Willis instead, the dynamic would have made more sense. The book on Willis is that he's wildly talented but needs lots of seasoning. He played at Liberty, not a Power 5 school. The thought of him sitting behind Trubisky for a year would have made sense. At the moment, it feels like, at least at the start of the year, Trubisky, Pickett, and Rudolph are three of the same. Pickett better turn out to be much better than that real soon, though. But for the time being, Tomlin and Colbert can at least pass off the it's an open competition game. And they sure did at the podium and at numerous times throughout the weekend. Maybe the Steelers can still fix Trubisky, as all of Pittsburgh talked itself into believing. But to prove it long term, he's likely going to have to do so in a fourth city in four years. Because this is going to be Pickett's team. The kid from the hometown school that nearly won the Heisman, he wasn't taken in the first round with so many defensive backs and linemen and talented receivers still on the board to be a backup until he's 26. Unless Pickett stinks and his hands really are too small and the ceiling is a lot lower than the floor is high, then that's going to happen. If we get to that point, well, how good is Keaton Slovis? The kid that's replacing Pickett Pitt anyway. When's he entering the draft? How about Phil Jerkovic from Boston College? You know he went to Pine Richland, right? Hey, cut me a break. I've been in quarterback speculation mode since Roethlisberger walked off the field in Kansas City. Some habits are tough to break. I'm still there right now. All right. When we come back, we talk about all these topics with Mark Madden from 105.9 The X and Trib Live. We'll have the usual Madden Monday podcast, but chock full of conversation about the draft, the Penguins, Jordan Addison, all that to come in 30 seconds here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. UFC 274 is Saturday, and Bet Rivers has a special profit boost for the big event. All players that log in on Saturday will receive a 20% profit boost on a UFC 274 parlay. Make your ideal UFC 274 combo on the main events, undercard, or combination of both. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This profit boost packs an extra punch at Bet Rivers. Bet on the app or at BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It is a Madden Monday. Tim Benz with you along with Mark Madden from 105.9 The X and of course Trib Live. We're brought to you as always by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. It's hockey playoff time, and Bet Rivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, place three same-game parlays of $10 or more on each round and receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. Think of it as a betting hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See the site for details. Create your ideal combo with same-game parlays on the Bet Rivers app or at BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino, must be 21. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're going to talk at length about Penguins and Rangers round one of the NHL playoffs. But Mark, before we go there, let's start with the Steelers draft. They take Kenny Pickett out of pit. Your thoughts? I think it's a bit of a reach. I think that was confirmed by the fact that no other quarterback got picked till the third round. It just wasn't a great draft for that position. Uh, 
They got to start him. He turns 24 uh, a little over a month from now, so they got to start him. You can't get a guy that started 49 collegiate games and is going to be 24 before camp starts and put him on a slow path. You can't do it. If you do that, then drafting him makes zero sense. If you're looking at the long game, then you needed to take Malik Willis. So they got to start him. Since they do got to start him, I don't see what the point of bringing in Mitch Trubisky is. Uh, Bottom line, Mike Tomlin inherited Ben Roethlisberger. He's never replaced a quarterback before. The way he's gone about it confirms that, that he's never done it and I think doesn't know how to do it. So I'm not outraged with the pick of choice, but uh, it's not the pick I would have made. Who would you have taken, considering who was still on the board? Uh, McDuffie, the kid who went next, the cornerback from Washington who went to Kansas City. He's a guy to key position who comes right in and starts. The two guys I want to consider probably more than that were Dax Hill, who ended up with Cincinnati, or Devin Lloyd as a potential replacement for Devin Bush. Mark, a lot of what you said I agree with. I think the only point I'll quibble with, and this is more a matter of how we phrase it or how we look at it. Like, you know, I don't blame them for getting Mitch Trubisky if they thought Mitch Trubisky was going to be better than Mason Rudolph, and they didn't think that they were going to get a quarterback. But if you're going to be hell-bent on getting a quarterback, then you shouldn't have bothered with Trubisky. And I have a hard time right now trying to figure out how honest they're being with what their mentality was going into the draft on that front. Oh, I think they were hell-bent on getting a quarterback. If that's the case, then yes, they shouldn't have gotten Trubisky. They should have just said, okay, if we don't get a quarterback, then we'll just have to grin and bear it with Rudolph. Right. That's exactly what they should have done. And I feel bad for Trubisky because he'd been bamboozled. He was coming here thinking he could restart his career. He's going to be a backup to a rookie. And, uh, you know, he's getting paid pretty good. What, $7 million on average annual value. But he should still feel uh, hoodwinked. So uh, I I also want to say that uh, it it was a draft of good stories. It's a draft to get people talking. But, you know, the Connor Hayward pick, I mean, how good is he? I don't know. He went in the late round, and now they've got four sets of brothers – and when it comes time to cut the worst brother, the older brother is going to be pissed, especially with with T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, and their brothers basically have the same job, don't they? Yeah, they do. I'm baffled by that and, and as you well. You barely use Derek Watt, so why did you need another one of those? I think the truest reason, and nobody wants to say this, is the truest reason why they got Hayward's little brother is potentially he can be really good on special teams. And he can be an even better version of what Watt is. So if okay, Watt is so potentially you're cut, gonna cut Watt? Uh, I would. I mean, they're not going to use him. If they're going to use Cam Hayward's little brother as little as they're using Derek Watt, they better get a guy who at least played linebacker. There and can is tackle. no chance whatsoever of either Connor Hayward or TJ, uh, excuse me, Derek Watt getting cut because the older brother wouldn't like it. There is no chance, especially T.J. Watt. Well, you mean the, be- you mean the better brother. He if they cut Derek. You mean the better brother, because Watt's actually younger, but the better brother, I get your point. The, yeah. The, 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 yeah, right. Well, yeah, better, for sure. I, I think T.J.'s better than Derek, yes. <laughs> Mark Madden with us. Back to the Trubisky and Pickett argument, Mark. There's another thing to bring up that really hasn't been talked about all that much with this dynamic, and that is this. Like, Let's say they like Pickett, they think he's okay, but... They think Trubisky is going to be better at the start, and the game plan is uh, put Trubisky in for the first four or five weeks and give the keys to Pickett. 
Well, what if he's good? And what if he's good to the point that at the end of next year, they've got to pay him those bonuses that his contract is built on? Then what? And and then do you just get rid of Trubisky? Tim, Tim, ain't, ain't no then what. Pickett's starting game one. I, I think ain't, they have to do it that way if they want to guard against no what question. they... No question. Don't look at football. Look at financial. Look at logic, period. Because you don't want to put yourself in a situation like San Francisco where Garoppolo won, but you got to play the guy you drafted in the first round. And that could be a very similar parallel for people to look at in Pittsburgh. Well, I, I, th- I, think, I think a poor man's version, Tim, but yes. Mark, do you think the ghosts of Dan Marino and do you think the fading attendance in Heinz Field played a part in this at all? Do you think Art Rooney this played in on it? First off, Dan Marino's not dead. <laughs> Second off, uh, I don't think Art weighed in on it, but, you know, I don't think he needed to. Yeah, I think selling jerseys is part of it. I think getting people in the stadium as opposed to skipping the game and staying in the parking lot is part of it. I think getting the TV rating back up is part of it. I don't know if Kenny Pickett does all of that, but uh, I understand where they're coming from. Is that smart to have done then? I don't care. No. I mean, you want to get more people back in that stadium instead of drunk in the parking lot, instead of skipping the game, uh, win more games. Be a legitimate contender instead of a sneak into the playoff type of team. That said, Tim, I, I think the biggest problem with uh, people not showing up at the games despite having tickets is because they're really old, almost dead. I just think that's such an old crowd at Heinz Field. And, uh, you know, the TV thing I can't account for, but the reason why, what was it, 13% of the seats were empty, all sold, but 13% empty, something like that, that's because it's old people who can't be bothered to go a lot of the time. On the quarterback evaluation front, Kevin Colbert, maybe because it was his last press conference that he's going to do as GM, gave a direct answer when I asked him, were you surprised to see the quarterbacks fall? And he flat out said yes a couple of times. It sure sounds like they evaluated all those guys higher than the rest of the NFL, and certainly the way things bore out in the draft illustrated that. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think all those quarterbacks dropping invalidates the picket pick to some small degree. Although I think uh, Carolina took Coral in the second round, right? I thought that was the third round. Third round, right. Well, do you think they would have taken uh, Pickett in the second? I think they would have, yes. I I think they they probably would have too. But but if not for Carolina, you know, in such a quandary with the quarterback position, I think Pickett could have been – selected by the Steelers in the second round. The only thing standing in the way would have been Carolina. And even that, I'm not a billion percent sure about, Tim. But you can't go with the narrative of, well, they should have traded back because if you see your quarterback available that you really like and you're in the situation that the Steelers are, then I think you take him when he's there because you don't know at that point if you trade back to, like, 25, if Carolina does what you're talking about and says, oh, well, maybe we can get up to 24 and get him then. They might try to do that. No, I, I totally agree. I think if he's the guy you want, then just take him there. I, I think if you're parsing, you know, to try to get some minor asset down the road by moving back a little bit, uh, I just think that's dumb. Yeah, we're agreed there. Did you see the line mark that came out from Houston, though? And this really would have, I think, left people scratching their heads given the retrospective analysis of what happened with the rest of the quarterbacks. Nick Casario, the GM uh, with the Texans, 
flat out said we were trying to move back to 20. He said this. He didn't say the word Steelers, but he said we were trying to move back to 20. <laughs> so, like, imagine if the Steelers had traded up for Pickett and then none of the other quarterbacks went until the third round. That would have had people really scratching their heads. I, I just want to see what this Pickens kid does, the second-round pick. Uh, he may well be A.B. Junior, 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 because mm-hmm. uh, he has some issues. That said, when you bring a guy in, the issues don't usually manifest themselves right off the bat with the rookie receiver, especially one taken in the second round. Uh, so I think when you weigh risk versus reward, that was a really good pick. I think that's the best pick the Steelers made. He's six foot three. He has just a lot going for him as a receiver. And I think since Pickett is going to start, you had to get him more weaponry uh, than he would have had without selecting Pickens. Plus, which night just let Deontay Johnson play out his contract and take a hike. You don't need him now. And that was underscored when they took another receiver with the fourth pick. You know, they addressed gaping holes at receiver. One thing that resonates with me, Mark, about how they approach this draft, though, is, and I want to see if you agree with this or not, it really slapped me in the face about how, you know, because it was Colbert's last draft, how back in the early 2000s when they were really cooking, and then especially after Roethlisberger came on board, they used to draft to replace mediocre guys. Now they're drafting at best to patch glaring holes. And you didn't see a tackle drafted to push Chooks. You didn't see a safety drafted to push Terrell Edmonds because they had so many other needs they had to fill. Yeah, uh, well, that just underscores what I've been saying ever since the draft concluded. They were a six or seven win team before the draft. I still think they're still a six or seven win team. Don't you? I think it might be a little bit better than that because I'm not as high on Cleveland and their schedule is a little soft, but I, I think this is the year that the uh, nonstop, never had a losing season thing comes to an end. Well, and the reason I, I think they're going to be that, that poorly is just because there is a transition when you have a rookie quarterback, and unless he's a superstar rookie quarterback. And I think we could safely conclude he is not going to be a superstar rookie quarterback. He might just be Matt Hasselbeck in his best year, you know, when, when he well, tops and he out. Might, Tim, he might have reached his ceiling already. He's a 24-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right in that, in that they, still have, they still have a few holes. Like, I don't believe Tua's coming back. They seem to be holding on hope. I don't believe he's coming back. But, uh, you know, they got this layout kid who's got to gain a little bit of bulk. But, but you know, I think he's going to be pretty good. I mean, they did definitely patchwork some places decently. I... They like their offensive line probably better than I do, but I think their offensive line will be better than last year. And he's 26. You know, they're all either 26 or under, so they're going to improve. At least in theory, they should. But I know what you mean, Tim. I mean, if this was a good team, they would have taken, like you said, a tackle to push Chooks, but they just figure, okay, we got what we got, and what we got is Chooks. And I don't think that's good, but it's what they got. Yeah, or like an inside linebacker to make Devin Bush even more irrelevant than what he is. But that's just kind of belaboring the point. And, I can and Ed, Ed Rusher, Tim, they, they lacked up there. They, they they need a number two running back. It's a six or seven win team for sure. Yeah, that's another thing that and, comes up from this. is that And Najee, maybe not that good. Najee Harris isn't allowed to get hurt again if he's going to touch the ball 350 more times. So got to keep that in mind, too. Uh, Mark, let's get to hockey. We'll talk about the Penguins right now. Listen to Mark on 105.9 The X, the flagship station for the Pens. They get going on Tuesday against the New York Rangers. 
And uh, when's game four, Mark? Because that's might might be when it's over. Uh, maybe game five. I, I think they get at least one at PPG Paints Arena. How about you? Well, I will issue my official uh, prediction uh, in the Trib, my column that's going to run. Uh, I guess it'll get posted later in the day, Monday. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, the Rangers are faster than them. And the Penguins are still going to play them head up, speed on speed. The Penguins are a team that does not mind getting hung by their own rope. And uh, the the difference in speed between Edmonton and Pittsburgh when the Oilers came to town last Tuesday was startling. And with the Rangers, only slightly less so in the four games they played this season. So um, I just don't think the Penguins can win this series unless the Rangers blow it. I'm not dismissing that possibility. This is their first time in the playoffs. Well, I mean... If you count that qualifying round they lost to uh, Carolina three zip in the bubble year, you know they were the 11th seed that year. Then again, the Penguins were the fifth seed, and lost to Montreal, the 12th seed in that qualifying round. Uh, point being, the Penguins haven't exactly covered themselves in glory, uh, you know, since they lost in the second round to Washington in 2018. But uh, but the Rangers could blow it. Shesterkin's only played one playoff game. I I think that if the Penguins could go up there and win the first game, it could it could get the Rangers' sphincters tight. But that's it. I think they got to win the first game. It's really cliche to say, but I think it's mandatory. I think if they lose the first game, they they have no chance to win the series. Do you take any solace in the fact that the Rangers kind of limped towards the end of the regular season to losing three of four? Well, yeah, but I mean, I tend to look at 10-game increments. The Rangers won six of their last 10. The Penguins won five of their last 10. So neither team is red hot nor ice cold. Yeah, and I guess uh, Panarin's been back uh, practicing as well, even though he's been banged up with some sort of upper body injury. And uh, Andrew Kopp, for that matter, um, we'll see how he is. But, you know, this the injured or not with the Rangers, it's the Penguins, just the state of their game overall and where their injuries are too that I can't ignore. Uh, not that Casey Dismiss been bad. He hasn't been. Um, he's been pretty good, but uh, I still would have preferred to see Jari and uh, Jason Zucker ain't much, but it kind of throws some of those line combinations out of whack. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, but you look at the stars. Sid has to go nuts. Malkin has to play like 200% better than he has been, 5-1-5. Latang has to be even better than usual because they got Kreider with his 52 goals and 26 in the power play, and he's a beast, and only one defenseman can handle him, and it's Latang. And I'm curious to see how Sullivan approaches that matchup. Uh, this is a series that, that demands Sullivan pay attention to matchups. <laughs> it demands a lot of things in terms of tactical adjustments that he won't make. You know, the Penguins, again, are just going to play the Rangers straight up, speed against speed. It didn't work during the regular season. Tim, the Penguins scored four goals in four games against the Rangers and right. averaged only 25 shots per game. That's pathetic. That's, I mean, there's no other word to describe it. Yeah, the lack of shots to me is more alarming even than the goal total because you got to pump in as many as possible in Shesterkin to get second efforts and rebounds and things of that nature. Well, well, that's right, and especially that goes in the playoffs because you got to make him realize he's in the friggin' playoffs. you, you got to put a lot of pucks in that and make him scramble and maybe punch out a bad rebound, and maybe there's a bad goal that trickles in. You can't be uber-selective like the Penguins always are. What do you think, Mark? Is this it for Rust, Latang, and Malkin, all three of them? Uh, almost certainly, but it wouldn't shock me if they would keep Gino to placate Sid, which, of course, would be the absolute worst thing they could do. 
I'd be really curious to see, especially with Fenway Sports Group in charge now, and we'll see what the management team looks like before next season, whoever it is, if it's still Burke and Hextall. Um, I'd be really interested to see what they do with a pocket full of cap money. I mean, that, that might be fun to watch, a quick rebuild, because they can go out and sign people to play with Crosby. Yeah, but that, I, I think they're going to fire Hextall and Burke sooner, not later. Uh, and I don't know when, but I would fire them after the season. And with all that cap money, get your guy in to to, 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 to spend it like you want. You know, you let Hexy and Burke spend, you might get a bunch of six foot four, you know, big lugs uh, for the money. Uh, I believe Fenway, and if you look at their history with, with the Red Sox and Liverpool, uh, I believe that they're going to go out and spend a lot of money to get whoever they feel the very best management guy is, the very best general manager. And uh, if he's under contract to somebody, I'm not sure they'll let that get in the way. Are you saying that in large part, Mark, because of how they operate with Liverpool? And is it Klopp, the manager there? I mean, is, is that an, an analogy that, that holds, or is there still somebody that kind of has like a general manager title for, for English Premier League? Uh, well, I mean... Klopp's in charge of the football decisions. I mean, there's a director of football ops. It's been Michael Edwards. Uh, I'm not sure if he's – there was a – I'm not sure what his status is, but Klopp's the guy. Okay, so it's like a Belichick <laughs> thing almost over there then. Yeah, huh? exactly. And he just signed a contract that will extend his stay to a total of 12 years by the time it runs out. So, you know, it it, it, it's, it would not shock me if Hextelenburg were gone sooner, not later, and if they got – I, I don't know, a big name, you know, I mean, just like, it wouldn't shock me. I don't know what his contract status is, but if they, if they tried to poach like Julian Brisebois from Tampa, that'd be nice. somebody like that, the top guy, whoever they perceive that to be. Mark, uh, who do you like in each conference? Do you like a Florida Colorado matchup or do you have somebody else emerging from each side? Uh, I don't really believe in either team because they, you know, they, they, they've spit out the bit on numerous occasions. Um, Tampa still has the best goalie and they were playing really good down the stretch. Yeah. They won seven to 10. Actually, I think all three teams atop that conference won seven to 10 down the stretch. Yeah. If you made me pick somebody in the East, if you, if I had to, I would pick Tampa Uh, West boy. I don't know because I don't believe in Colorado. I don't believe in Calgary either. I mean, I don't know who to believe in, Tim. That that's just like I don't think there's great teams out there. I don't think Edmonton, even though they were playing really well down the stretch, has found it to the point that I can put money on them and say, okay, they figured it out, and now they're going to play in the postseason. I'm not there yet with them. Yeah, I mean, so if you made me pick, I'll pick Tampa and Colorado. Mm-hmm. But 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 I think somebody's going to upset Colorado. I don't know who. I'm not counting out Minnesota. But but like you know, they still don't. Know who's going to start goal in game one? Even though they went out and got Flurry, which seems like it should have been a lock then. And by the way, they've won eight of ten down the stretch too. So like the way they're playing, we should all feel better about them. But I don't think anybody's going to be picking Minnesota. Well, it it's one of those things where they don't want to upset the dressing room by totally taking the starter out of the mix. But you don't do that for Cam Talbot at the expense of Mark Andre Flurry. And, and frankly, and I know Billy Guerin very well, but that's his attitude and Everson's attitude to coach there. They're too soft to win anything anyway. Mark, how is Jorge de Guzman doing? Uh, muy bien, Tim. Is that <laughs> is that what you say? 
I mean, Liverpool beat uh, Newcastle 1-0, so... Oh, I got my FA Cup final trip planned for the 14th, Liverpool and Chelsea. So, uh, not a terrible weekend. I saw Brett Michaels, too. So, Jefferson Starship Thursday, Penguin game Friday, Brett Michaels uh, last night. And uh, Brett Michaels is really good. I got to tell you, he's 59. But uh, he looks the part, sings the part. He's a great front man. I mean, I'm not sure Poison's going to ever be confused with, you know, the Stones or David Bowie or Led Zeppelin in terms of, you know, historical impact or song quality. But, uh, but he was really very good. Was he upset because Corral wasn't chosen by the Steelers? I know that was his thing. I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him afterwards. So, so <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what, though. I, I did. I did. Uh, I did text him, and uh, I said that Corral went to the best place possible, which I think he did. Yeah, that's a good fit for him. And well, Tepper's in charge there, right? So he loves him. Um, what about Malik Willis going to Tennessee? What'd you think about that? Boy, the amount of money he lost by dropping is incredible. I mean, first round to third round, and uh, I, I think that's actually a good spot for him because they got a good structure in place. They got the back, and he can sit for a year behind Tannehill, and I think that offense is, is kind of made for him, and they'll get receivers. They already got one guy to replace A.J. Brown. I kind of like that situation for him. It's a great world, Tim, in football when Jordan Addison gets a lot more money than Malik Willis. Yeah, what'd you think of that, by the way? How about that whole situation? Well, what? The report now, he's going to get like $3 million in, in name, image, and likeness, correct? Yeah, he's going to come to the Steelers to catch passes from Pickett and take a pay cut. Well, more power to him. I mean, um, this shows how college football screwed itself by being greedy for so long and not giving the kids anything. What they needed to do, like years ago would say, okay, the basic number for a stipend for a kid is 50K. Okay, every kid on full scholarship gets 50K cash as well. If you're on half scholarship, you get 25K. You know, you do it in in fractions, right? Mm -hmm. If they would have done that, nobody would have been looking for this NIL. They needed to control it. Now it's out of control, and now it's not equitable, and you're going to have absurdities like Jordan Addison getting $3 million to transfer and you're going to have inequity inside the locker room, which is going to, you know, uh, cause some jealousies, I, I would think. So um, it's not a good situation, but I, I can't be against it per se because uh, these kids should have got money long ago and they should have had freedom to transfer without sitting out long ago. So I'm all for Jordan Addison. And screw Pitt. You know, Pitt, you know, they like to be martyred anyway. They can, they can, they can play their favorite role, which is miserable. And who can blame Madison, too, from a football standpoint, Tim? Because I forget the kid's name, but some hotshot quarterback transferred into Southern Cal. Yeah, to push uh, out the kid that came to Pitt. <laughs> right, right, right. And he's from D.C., so he knows Addison. Addison's from D.C., too. So they're breaking in a new quarterback at Pitt, a new offensive coordinator at Pitt, a new receivers coach at Pitt. And Southern Cal's a better program than Pitt, despite not having a comparable record last year. Southern Cal was, what, 4-8, and eight, and Pitt won the ACC, but... But that'll reverse itself as, as evidenced by the fact that despite Southern Cal being bad, they got a new coach, Lincoln Riley, and he's bringing in, like, what, 15 transfers. So he knows how to play the portal. Uh, they're going to be better this year than Pitt. For sure they will. And Addison's going to have a better year at Southern Cal than he would have at Pitt. He will benefit in every way you can by having left. So what basically happened to him, Pitt had a fluky year last year when it won the ACC, and now Pitt has been put squarely in its place. The college football thing, they ruled like it was 1980s Russia, and now suddenly it's become the wild, wild west. Yeah, I, I mean, and so I, I'm happy for Jordan Addison. 
Hey, finally back to Brett Michaels. Is he doing poison songs or is he doing all of his solo stuff? Oh no, it was it was like that's one thing about Brett's solo shows, which I've seen many times. He has a great band, uh, Pete Evans, the guitar player. Honestly, it's it, he's a better guitar player than CC Deville from Poison, especially currently. And and Brett's band, the whole band's really great. But no, one his solo shows, he comes out and plays nothing but hits, all the Poison hits. Uh, he did a cover of Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, you know, it, it's just a great show, a great show. The Madden Monday Podcast. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. As always, nothing but a good time. Tomorrow, Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. He'll join us to tell us if we've got something to believe in when it comes to the Pens against the Rangers. Again, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com.